Chapter 28 of the Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The trap is set. You might not believe me, but after I saw that old man disappear in the lonely house, and I could not find him, although I looked through every room from cellar to garret, I came very close to believing in ghosts. Yes, sir, I thought this old man was a spook. You see, there were plenty of our boys surrounding the house. The old man couldn't possibly have left the house while we were looking for him. He went in. We saw him go in and he didn't come out, yet we couldn't find him, although we went into every room. Perhaps he hid in the chimney someplace, said Jerry Moore, as we talked it over at our next meeting. But no, how silly such a thing would be. What would the old man want to do hiding in the chimney someplace? Not at all. He was in the house, but where? I couldn't answer the question. And here is where I thought it was about time that we told good old Doc Waters about it. Seemed to me like it was time to have a man come in on this case. It's all right for boys to figure out their own affairs, but when you get to hearing so much about hidden gold in an old empty house and see so many strange and ghostly things, it's about time for a grown-up man to look into the matter. So I went down to Doc Waters' office right after school and told him the whole business, start to finish. Doc wasn't surprised. He is never surprised at anything, I tell him. But I saw him chew hard on the end of his cigar and look pretty hard at me. I'm sorry, he began. Then he paused and chewed his cigar some more. I'm sorry, Hawkins, that you didn't tell me about this sooner. I couldn't, Doc, I told him. You see, in the first place, the old man asked me to read a letter for him, and he couldn't see very well. And, of course, after I read it for him as a favor, mind you, it was up to me to keep his secret. But you haven't kept it, broke in Doc. You've just told me. Yeah, I said, and I didn't feel so good then, but I just had to, Doc. He nodded. Always the case, he said. You know enough, Hawkins, to tell you that it such a case as this, it's wise to bring your tales right to me. You know I've always kept an eye on you boys, and ever since I helped you build your clubhouse, old Judge Granberry has sort of thought I was responsible for you fellows. Well, I am. That's why I'd want you to bring such things to me right away, especially when it's a case such as this, a lonely house and a rumor of hidden money in it. What about the two men? the ones you called tramps that lived in the old house for a while. They're gone, I said. Rube Miller told me they believed the old man was a ghost. It got too spooky for them, and they left. Doc nodded again. They knew about that hidden gold, he said, and they were after it, too. And while they may have left the lonely house, you can bet your last dollar that they are watching it from a safe distance. Suppose we make up to go down to Banklet Creek and take a look at things. Nothing could have suited me better, and I told Doc so. So he said for me to wait for him at the clubhouse after the meeting, and he would call for me. 
I went right down the river path, and when I reached the clubhouse, there was an argument going on. What's all the talk, I asked. Shadow Loomis stepped up to me. I don't like to say it, Hawkins, he began. He's had a fight with Pooley's gang, broke in Robbie Hood. Those fellows never mean a thing they say, Hawkins. It was only the boy with the scar interrupted our captain, Dick Ferris. It seems like he and Shadow never will get along, Hawkins. Once before they had a fight, and none of us fellas told you about it because we thought it would blow over, but it's broke out again. Yes, said Shadow with a scowl. Broke out again it has, and believe me, I'll see it through to a finish, and I'll make that boy sorry he ever crossed my path. Good night, thought I, as I wended my way through the crowd and settled myself in my little riding room. Not one of them attempted to follow me, and believe me, I wanted to be alone. Here was a new problem. In the middle of all this mystery and worry, after I had tried so hard to settle our quarrels after Pooley had signed a peace with us, his gang never to fight ours again, here comes Shadow, the best fellow that I had to depend upon, one of the finest boys you ever saw, fighting with the boy with the scar, who had always seemed to me to be such a good-natured, easy-going kid. And with that scar on his face, he always looked too pitiful trying to hide his face by pulling down his broad-brimmed hat. Oh, boy, how blue I began to feel now. I hate him, said a voice. I looked up quickly. Shadow stood alone beside my desk. As I looked at his face, I wondered how could any boy feel so hard against such a fellow as the boy with the scar. You don't know what you are saying, I said to him. Shadow, for heaven's sake, think. I'm your best friend, ain't I? You've always been that. Well, then listen to me once. This poor little rag picker with a weld on his face, he wouldn't do anything against anybody willfully. If he's hurt your feelings, Shadow, it's because of some mistake he didn't mean to, I'm sure. What makes you so soft-hearted to him, demanded Shadow angrily. What'd he ever do for you or for us? I'd like to know, and believe me, I just can't stand a sight of him. This morning when I saw him round here, I just had to order him off, and he wouldn't go. Said he wanted to stay where he could look at our little hollow and our little clubhouse in it. I told him he had to go. He wouldn't budge, so I up and punched him. You punched him? And I punched him good. He won't forget it soon, believe me. I leaped to my feet and stood close, facing Shadow. For that one instant, I was angry enough to punch Shadow myself, only for that one instant. The next, I had sunk back into my chair and, resting my elbows on my desk, dropped my chin in my hands. You punched him, I said drearily. Oh, Shadow, how will I ever get things settled around here if you boys don't keep your heads? And you, Shadow. I thought you were so sensible. I am, he said proudly, and he thrust his hands into his coat pockets and strolled over to the window and looked out at the boys playing in the hollow. You seem to have a particular interest in this boy with a scar, Hawkins, he said, without turning his head. I willed my chair around. I have, I said, and believe me, Shadow Loomis, I like that poor little rags about just as much as I like you and I'll not have you or any boy in this bunch picking on him either. If it comes to it, 
I'll resign my membership in this club before I'll see anybody picking on that fellow. I mean what I say. Suit yourself, said Shadow lightly, and he went over to the clothes hooks and took down his scarf, which he began to put around his neck, turning to me as he did so. If you ever find any boy that you'd rather stick to, why just forget me, Hawkins. And with that, then, he clapped his hat upon his handsome head and stalked out of the clubhouse. Pooley came to see me that same day. I had a sneaky notion in the back of my head that he would. He was outside with his two ponies, the white and the bay. Perry Stokes had come to tell me that he wanted to see me, and I knew at once that it was about the new fight that seemed to have broken out among our boys. Come in, Pooley, I said, but he shook his head. I'd rather ride with you, he said. See, I've given up my white pony for you, Hawkins. Nobody in my gang has ever ridden it but me. I want to show you that I think a heap of you. I've got Sadler's Bay. We'll take a ride through the woods. All right, I said. Which way will we ride? He led the way on the bay, and the beautiful white pony followed. We drew away from the hollow where the boys played and cut a detour to the main road, upon which we rode for a mile before we said a word. Then Pooley spoke. There's been trouble, he said. I nodded. I heard about it, I said. What does it mean? Am I to understand, Pooley, that our peace contract is broken? Are our gangs to start it all over again fighting? No! exclaimed Pooley emphatically. Not by a long shot, Hawkins. That's why I wanted to talk to you alone. That's why I got you out riding with me. My boys haven't quite got over the idea that you boys are our enemies. Seems like you just can't kill that feeling in them, Hawkins. I know, I said, but of all the boys you have, Pooley, the one I'd least expect to start trouble is the boy with the scar. He's the one we got to talk about, broke in Pooley. I lost him. Lost him? Yes. After his fight with your shadow Loomis, he told some of my boys that he'd only start trouble all over again, so he ducked. Resigned from the Knights? Yes. And I know he won't return. He's just one of those kind, Hawkins. But I want to get him back. That's what I want you to tell him if you see him. He likes your little old clubhouse in the hollow, and he's likely to come to see you sometime all by himself. It's then I want you to tell him that I want him back, and there won't be any more fights between your gang and mine, Hawkins. Believe me that, will you? I'm glad to, I told him. And with that, we rode on and back to where we started, and Pooley rode away with the ponies while I went into the clubhouse, which I found deserted, with the exception of Perry Stokes, who was always a faithful caretaker. Now it came to the time when I was to go with Duck Waters to the Lonely House. I thought I was to meet him at his office, but somehow or other I misunderstood him. He was gone when I reached his office, and he left a note telling me he had gone ahead and for me to meet him at the Lonely House. So I felt a bit disappointed and sore myself and went back to the clubhouse where I ran into the skinny guy. Blink, I said, for the love of Mike, come along with me. It's growing pretty dark, and I'll own up to you that I'm afraid. Where are you going, he asked. To the Lonely House, I said. 
Link didn't seem to care to go, but when I told him Doc would be there and that we intended to investigate a mystery, he went willing enough. The ice in the river was broken enough, but we used the skiff, not risking the canoe. And when we reached the creek, it was still frozen, although running fast beneath the ice. So we left the skiff at the mouth of the creek and walked up all the way to the path leading to the lonely house. Lonely house showed a light in the first story window of the round tower. And when we reached it, we saw Doc Waters sitting inside with a strange man. Ah, Hawkins, said Doc, getting up. I'm glad you came after me. You see, I brought a friend of mine along. After the story you told me, I thought it would be wiser to get somebody who was more experienced. Meet Mr. Jeckerson from Watertown. So this is Secretary Hawkins, said the dark man, rising, smiling as he shook my hand. I've heard lots about you from Dr. Waters, Sonny. I've heard lots about you, too, I said. I remembered all the things I had read about this famous detective from Watertown. So you think you will solve this mystery of the lonely house, Mr. Jefferson bowed. Pardon me, he said in a soft voice. The doctor has just been telling me of some remarkable mysteries that you have solved, Secretary Hawkins, and I am always afraid that I might be beaten by a boy if what he says is true. He has told me all the details of this strange house. What do you make of it all, boy? If I knew, I said, I'd never have told Doc Waters about it. And I smiled. So did Jickerson. We shall sit in the night out here, he said. I hope you and your friend will stay with us. I looked over my shoulder at the skinny guy. No, I said finally. I'm afraid we can't stay through the night. Our mothers, you know. I've taken care of that, broke in Doc Waters. I told your mother, Hawkins, that I would need you tonight and then I would take care of you. And I thought perhaps you'd have Skinny Link with you, too, so I stopped in at his folks and told him that he'd be with me. They're all set, and our trap is all set, and we need you two boys. So you might as well make up your minds to spend one night in the lonely house and see what happens. Which we did. End of chapter 28 Read by Carol Sutton Knox, Pennsylvania, April 23rd, 2022.